There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a huge welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's, uh, it's, it's great to be back with you. Um, I love uh, having this opportunity once a week to uh, share thoughts and introduce to you uh, another amazing guest. And today we've got Michael Romling, who I'm going to, I'm going to um, forecast that you're going to really, really enjoy this uh, conversation today um, because I've interviewed or I've been in the presence actually when Michael was being interviewed and I was partly involved um, a few weeks ago and it was absolutely fantastic. So we're in for a real treat. We're going to talk today about getting out of your own way. Before we do that, though, uh, I want to say a huge thank you to my guest uh, last week, to uh, Corey Blake. Uh, Corey is a fascinating fellow. I mean, um, he's uh, a storyteller. He's uh, been in all sorts of ads and movies, even with uh, Fight Club with Brad Pitt. And today he he has uh, an organization, uh, Roundtable Companies, uh, which um, do amazing kind of visual artwork um, around kind of training and leadership and kind of development type exercise. And he created something called United by COVID. And if you've not seen that, check it out. It's an incredible wall which uh, explains in art how people are feeling right now about this current scenario. And I think uh, one of the things I took out the conversation with him last week, which is about elevating your purpose, uh, was um, you know when this universal telephone line rings. Sometimes when you're in a very calm and centered place, and I'm sure Michael might talk about that later, um, ideas come to you. And um, we talked about how to take those ideas that come to you and to um, kind of move them through uh, your organization and turn them into something like the United by COVID uh, that then has a big impact uh, on the world. Uh, and we were considering how within this current uh, world climate uh, that we go about you know, utilizing our unique uh, selves to maybe adjust slightly what, we, what we're doing. Check that out if you're interested in um, elevating your purpose right now and thinking about your business models, etc. So, to Michael Romling and getting out of your own way. Now, in a world where change is the norm and reinvention is often essential, our biggest barrier, you know, Michael will say, would be is frequently not the external world, but more often than not, it's that internal world. And it's about personally choosing to behave in a way that is uh, you know, appropriate and, and effective. Now, Michael Romling is a strategic behaviorist. He's someone who really challenges the thinking and the beliefs of senior leaders and teams. And he really helps them, and, and I know this to be true, we've had a number of conversations now, to really rethink some of their strategies in lines with their expectations and their human collateral what they, they have in their businesses. He's got with 28 years of experience in this field. Uh, he has helped an enormous, enormous amount of people all over the globe. And he's, uh, he's worked in Russia and China and all over the, uh, the, the planet, helping people at the highest level uh, to be able to improve their behavior to get the kind of results that they want. 
and he's got a great story and he's also got a, a he's a very charming character with a unique sense of humor as well so i'm going to welcome to the show uh, michael romling chris thank you for inviting me on you're very very welcome sir T- tell us a little bit about where you where you're living right now michael because i think it's one of the most beautiful places in the world to be honest Yes, I'm very blessed, Chris. I live on the beautiful west coast of Scotland in glorious isolation um, on the side of a loch, Loch Sunart. Um, it's wildlife personified. In fact, uh, during COVID, it's been an amazing pleasure because I've been able to sit in my office, talk to my clients worldwide and have a beautiful view. So it's, uh, it's quite stunning. I'm going to intrigue because you're 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 uh, you strike me as somebody who likes to be around people. Um, so why do why do you live in isolation? Um, I I like both, uh, and I think getting the balances are quite right. Is is right. Um, I, I love people, um, but I also like uh, time without people, and I think uh, one without the other uh, gets a bit overcrowded. So um, this gives me the opportunity to. Uh, through Zoom and when we start traveling again, meeting people, but it gives me the opportunity to come back into a sort of centering mode, a quiet mode, and um, reflect and think and uh, plan and all those lovely things and be energized by trees, water, and nature. And there's something about that, isn't there? That, uh, let's say, it, there's something special about being surrounded by trees, water, and and nature and being in a beautiful spot. I know you've got otters and golden eagles and deer and, um, you know, being, you, cause you, you're being surrounded by that. Maybe not, not people, but actually there's something that brings you down to earth and also helps you realize, I suspect what's important. Yes, very much so. I mean, this today, uh, in between clients, I walked the dogs twice for about an hour and a half. Um, but I go to a special place and sit there for 10 min- minutes and, uh, and just meditate, and that meditation is quite fantastic. And I get all my best ideas, thoughts, inspiration uh, by doing that. So it's a balance of you know getting, keeping physically fit, um, but also keeping mentally fit, mentally aware, mentally alight, um, alive. Um, and and to me, uh, one without the other just doesn't work. You know, I, I've mentioned this even in the last week. Again, I'm often. Oh, and I interviewed somebody on this just yesterday, actually, around around kind of med- meditative sort of practices. And I find this really, really helpful as well. But I don't know about you. I still find that people's eyes kind of glaze over and they have a, a belief system that means that they don't really take it as a, being a serious consideration. Do you still find that? Yeah, very much so. But the great news is when people's eyes glaze over, they're part of the way there. So that's kind of yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's very true so uh michael michael tell us a bit about your childhood and then what what led you into the sort of next phase of your career which i know you were you, you were in the merchant navy then you went on to sell life assurance before you became a behavioral strategist tell us a bit about your, your background and Yes. Uh, in fact, it's the background that really inspired me to make the changes. One of three children uh, brought up in a naval uh, background, naval family, uh, very strict, very disciplined. And uh, uh, so by the time I got to age sort of 15 or 16, uh, you know, I was I was a sort of protege of my mum and dad, which was fantastic. Um, uh, however, however, I wouldn't really say boo to a goose. Um, I was quite shy. 
um, quite retiring, didn't really want to communicate with many people. So luckily, um, my father decided that I should go away to sea and do a naval apprenticeship for five or six years, which was the making of me. And one of the things that was interesting, when I came back, um, I realized how different I was to my siblings. You know, I traveled, I'd met different people, gained some experience, which was all fantastic. And uh, really not didn't think much about it from that particular point of view until I then um, sort of decided it was time to leave the comfort of the Merchant Navy and sort of move forward um, into a new career. And that's when it all started. Mm. And did you think uh, the, the discipline that you had as a child and I guess in the Navy was uh, really helpful to you I'm, I'm, I'm thinking some of the you know, the guests i've had on my show for example who've been to you know sas selection and that sort of thing and they've come away um and said that you know the, the discipline that i had to develop to utilize that and the and, and actually the process of going through it is such now that most of life seems much easier <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm less i'm less fearful of picking up the phone for example because i i learned these disciplines through that process Yes, I mean, uh, one, I remember saying to my father uh, on a tanker that uh, phoned him, and I just said, by the way, Dad, I've, I've just been blown up. And I literally was blown out of a compartment. Um, and I'm feeling pretty uh, upset about this. And he said, you're alive, you're okay, so get on with it. So no post-stress, uh, traumatic stress disorder for me. Um, and it made me laugh in the years in, in later years because, um, yeah, it was the most horrific experience of my life. Three people died right next to me. Um, I luckily survived by the skin of my teeth. Um, but my upbringing was, well, you survived. That's all you need to know. Now let's get on with it. Now there's a big part of that um, became my sort of stoic, well, let's just get on then. Let's, um, I'm alive, so let's make it different. So you'll see that coming up in the the latter part of my life where I analyze both the box of my childhood and this um, from sort of 16, 17 to 28, 29-ish, um, where I was being formed. Was, was this in the Falklands or somewhere like that? At, where... No, it was a, it was a, a tanker, a, a British tanker, and uh, I had effectively gone down the pump room with um, three guys. Um, I was the sort of junior, junior officer, and as they went down first, um, I was being a little bit belligerent and the officer on top was giving me a bit of a talking to. And as I turned to go down, I was down about 10 feet. They were down right at the bottom. The, the pump room blew up. Oh, my word. Yeah, amazing. Quite amazing. Um, but but you, you learn from those things. It was, uh, But what I learned most was the way my father sort of handled it. So from his point of view, being a naval officer, he was um, just quite happy that was all part of life's rich tapestry <laughs> not an awful lot of sympathy by the sounds of it not at all not at all yeah not <laughs> at all <laughs> good scottish upbringing <laughs> so you you moved on into life assurance and you you became quite very quickly a, a top salesman and uh, i think this is interesting because uh, i think the the seeds for you really through your experience and what you achieved there I've really kind of impacted the work that you do today. But tell us, how do you become so quickly a top life assurance salesman from being in the Merchant Navy? 
Uh, yeah, it, it's called mushroom fa- mushroom farming, Chris, um, from a managerial point of view. And let me explain. Um, I decided it was time. I, I, I wanted to get out of the Navy. I wanted to expand. Don't ask me why, but that was the deal uh, to myself. And I applied for 135 jobs and was turned down for every one apart from selling life assurance door-to-door. Quite amazing. Now, I'd never sold life assurance. In fact, um, I hadn't even sold anything, I believed, in my life. So I asked the um, people there, uh, look, I, I have a wife and a family and a mortgage. This is a big jump for me. Um, I need to know I can be successful. And uh, so I asked the, 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 the stupid question, where, which I often ask, a very simple, stupid question, which was fundamentally, what do I need to do to be successful? And they turned around and said, uh, well, a particular guy turned around to me and said, it's very simple, Michael. Uh, it, it's a formula. And that formula is 33-1. Now, uh, being in the Navy, I thought formulas are pretty good. Experience is good. I trust somebody senior. So what does that mean? It means you knock on 30 doors every night. Three people show a, a bit of an interest. And I invite you back. And if you do your job properly with the script, etc., you should be able to convert one of those into a sale. And I thought, well, that's good enough for me. If they believe that, um, off I go. So sure enough, I uh, I went and joined on that very simple, very naive premise. Excellent. And I, I th- one of the things I think was fascinating, you you, uh, you achieved enormously, didn't you, w- with that formula? And then tell us what happened when you were uh, you know, given an award for for being so successful. Yeah, it was it was quite surreal. Uh, the manager decided for uh, I, I assume by design rather than by default that I wouldn't get to see the branch for twelve months. I had to prove myself. And what was interesting is that I went out with a thirty-three one, and sure enough, every night it absolutely turned into exactly what um, he had told me. And after twelve months, I got a call, uh, a strange call from London. And I thought, I said to my wife, you know what? Um, when I heard it was a managing director, and I said to her, you know, I thought that's it, I'm going to be sacked. And he said, uh, <laughs> congratulations. He said, you've uh, won the best newcomer of the year. In fact, you've been won the best newcomer for 20 years. And I went, oh, wow, thank you. Yeah, that's great. And he said, uh, how did you do it? <laughs> so I told him the 33-1, and he was almost dumb, dumbfounded, sort of silent. And he said, that's fantastic. And I was treated to all sorts of... Um, and awards. But then the interesting thing was I came back to the branch and I was invited back to meet everybody. Now, they told me, Chris, that the branch average was 18,000 pounds. Now, I needed 20 to survive. So I thought, well, I have a fighting chance. It transpired that the branch average then was 11,000, but in the last 12 months, it had risen to about 17 or 18. So I suppose they were right in hindsight uh, or in foresight. Uh, but what was interesting was the guy who told me about 33-1 said, I'd like to talk to you about how you did it. And I said, John, very simple. I did what you told me. And he said, what was that? And I said, you know, the 33-1. And he said, you didn't believe that shit, did you? <laughs> and luckily I did, Chris. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I, you know what? I've believed in it ever since. Hmm. So, so what, uh, what led you to then move into this area of uh, behavioral kind of strategy? 
Well, it, it, it went from there because um, it, if I go back to step so slightly, and it, this is not about money, but it shows the sort of scale. Um, you know, the typical average at that particular time was eleven thousand uh, a month, uh, um, eleven thousand a year, I should say. Never mind a month. Um, and my first uh, commission was eighty-seven and a half thousand in nineteen eighty-two, which uh, it, it was gobsmacking. Um, but I then went on. Uh, in the next three years to double it virtually every year thereafter. And um, I started uh, becoming aware that I wasn't anything special, but what was happening here was actually controlling me. All I had to do was have the input and the belief with it. And it seemed as though anything I touched turned to gold. And I, I started experimenting, you know, uh, Things like um, the scripts they gave you, which were about five minutes long. Well, when you're cold calling at night, Chris, and it's very cold in November, you don't be spending that much time on the door. So I, I said to them, look, I actually believe that your belief system can supercharge this. And they went, yeah, 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 okay. And I said, this is what I'm going to say. I, I'm going to knock on the door and I'm going to say, um, hello, good evening. My name is Michael Romling from the company, etc. Would you like to buy some life assurance? I never believe this, Chris. I actually found that that was as successful as a six-minute script. Yeah. The difference was that they were qualified, so I could get more, faster, quicker, and move on. Um, and it was from there I started uh, uh, thinking that there was more to this than selling life assurance and making money and what have you. Um, I, I did actually went on uh, having no experience. I set off at the Institute of Financial Planning. Uh, which was all about belief and attracting the right people. But then I met um, a performance coach, and I thought, he's good, but I wonder if I can introduce him some of the things that I'm doing, which would allow him to meet more people. Anyway, the long story short was that within three years, he was working for me, and we started um, we started a company. Uh, and I was more interested at that time in uh, human performance, um, and, and especially, if I can come back a bit, my box. And this was my box from the age of two to the age of 16. Uh, an interesting box, but a very rigid box. And the door was wide open on this box. And therefore, some of the fears, frustrations, uh, and what have you were constantly nibbling away at my belief. And I thought, hmm, th there's a lot in here. Um, uh, there's no good blaming anyone. There's no good being a victim. So I started studying to see how I could shut the door in the box. And I, I coined that I needed to get out of my own way if I really wanted to be very successful. And that's, that's how I started studying hypnosis, cognitive behavioral therapy. In fact, I, I studied anything that had anything to do with including the inner child and what have you. Um, and I found that quite fascinating and helpful to my clients. Fantastic. Well, we're going to go to commercial break now. And after the commercial break, we'll find out some more about some strategies to enable us to get out of our way. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. 
Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific. Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Michael Romling, and we're talking about getting out of your own way. And we we're just we we're just saying in the break, Michael's uh, Michael's dogs uh, in the, in the, been in the room with him, and he was apologising. And I said, um, "How did you know? I didn't realise it was a dog. I, th- I thought it was a cuckoo." Michael, do you want to do you want to introduce us to your dog? Yes, yes. His name actually is Cuckoo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, sadly, he's just outside the door. And uh, he very much would like to be on Voice of America, but um, sadly. So he sounds like a cuckoo, uh, of all things. So that's the name. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. He's a, street, he's a Romanian dog from, uh, a street dog from Romania. We've had him about five months, so he's, uh, he's a great cat. Oh, bless. So did, did, you, uh, did you have him did you imported in some way to look after no, he was important to uk but we we just uh we have three dogs all rescued so um i like to give um, animals a, you know, a good chance so uh, um we we take the oldest uh, sometimes the infirmed ones we just take uh, what we can to help rather than the uh, designer dogs oh, sometimes the the older ones uh they seem to be more lovely don't they They're beautiful yes uh, yeah, absolutely beautiful We've got one coming up to 12, and he's just a, an absolute d- delight these days. Yes. Yeah, they are fantastic. Everybody's good as human beings. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, they sometimes remind you, don't they, about uh, uh, about your, your about your mood and things. I, I certainly say about our dog sometimes. He's the most, uh, the calmest, most centred <laughs> being in the house sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Far better than us. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm always pleased to see you. It doesn't matter Very what. Very much so. If I could wag a tail like them, it would be great in front of my clients. <laughs> I might so, try that um, one. <laughs> yeah. So, do you do you have a trip yourself up? Do I do I have a what? Sorry, you have a trip yourself up. I mean, does trip, uh, trip you, myself up? These, 
these days, you know, get in your own way. Do you ever do it? Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness me. Uh, I think the, the thing I say to most of my clients is this is not an exact science and uh, failure um, is a prerequisite for growth in my book. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I often say to my clients when I'm doing team events worldwide, um, I say, I, my belief is that if the average human being was to teach a child how to walk using modern technology and technique, it would take seven years. Mm. So uh, and part of that is because we, we're not comfortable with failure. We're not comfortable with vulnerability. And vulnerability is a big, big subject that I uh, truck around the world. Is uh, When you become comfortable with vulnerability in all different levels, and um, you really can open the door to some new amazing opportunity. That's similar with teams. Very, very good point. Vulnerability is really, really important, isn't it? I've just been working with clients this week, and we've been putting all the elephants on the room that they've that they've uh, you know been uh, not maybe not spoken about for for some time, and just sort of cleared the way really. Uh, and it requires being vulnerable. I was felt very proud of them actually that they very vulnerably shared but it's a it's a, it's almost a, a muscle that we we have to learn to use again perhaps yes i think uh, business society in general is, is not hugely we say we are tolerant to uh, failure but it's, i don't believe it's hugely tolerant to failure and uh, therefore vulnerability in corporate life is something that's uh, not particularly uh uh, the companies are not particularly comfortable with. Uh, what I do is get people, individuals, to really achieve, and uh, they've got to be very, very comfortable with vulnerability, their own and others. Mm. So what sort of strategies do you teach them then to, to get out of the way of themselves? Well, it was one of the, the toughest, thing, uh, toughest things I had to think of is that um, I only get a, uh, you know, a very short period of time to prove that what I do works. And uh, I knew it worked, but, um, you know, the, the important bit was what could I actually do that would prove that uh, this process of getting out your own way with its appropriate strategies uh, would actually work. So um, uh, I thought golf would be a good one. And the reason for that was quite simple. Most of my executives, chief executives, senior people um, had adopted and adapted a life of golf in between business and family. Now, I find golf particularly spoils a long walk. Um, so, but I decided that uh, the reason I chose it was because it was something you could do at a drive-in range. It was something that people could see. The golf ball doesn't lie. I either can uh, improve people's performance by the getting out your own way principle um, or um, not, as the case may be. It also demonstrated vulnerability to a high level. So I set about um, on a golf driving range one day with a golf pro, taking someone who'd never played golf, and uh, a bit of a bet, I bet, that I could, with my principles and processes, get the complete novice to drive a golf ball using a driver, um, circa 200, 220 metres, dead straight, within 20 volts, without any tuition at all. After all, I've never held a golf club still never have, by the way, and don't particularly want to. <laughs> and he took up this challenge uh, thinking this was a, an easy one. Um, I, I did what I said I would do within 20 balls. Uh, got this gentleman to strike the ball 
with absolutely no knowledge from him or from me, but using the concept of vulnerability, i.e. getting out your own way and, and things like decoys in terms of not focusing on hitting the ball, but focusing on something completely different. And uh, the Golf Pro uh, was very humble and came to me at the end and said, would you please teach us how to do that? Because that is truly amazing. So that was my brand after that. Uh, the Getting Out of Your Way became a truly amazing brand. And uh, I've been doing that for 28 years in Russia, China, all over the world, Australia, America, um, hopefully South America soon when the COVID's gone. And I absolutely love it because it really shows people how the concept yeah, of getting out of your own way works in a truly amazing fashion. Well, it's quite fascinating that you don't, you don't play golf yourself. You've got no interest in it. I think it's interesting. You, I think that's, yeah, sorry, Chris. I think that's a, a positive, actually, because yeah. uh, uh, I have a, an interesting little story. I was with a bunch of clients, and a client was driving merrily the golf ball 220 uh, meters with his eyes closed and running to the ball and doing all sorts of great stuff and shouting uh, obscenities at the ball as a form of decoy to get rid of his consciousness. Uh, get out of his own way, and the game, uh, the groundkeeper came up. I was going to say gamekeeper there, but it uh, looked like a gamekeeper. And he said, "Michael is not standing correctly." And I said, "Yeah, you know, Fred, but he's doing two twenty meters." He said, "Yeah, but he's not. Um, his, his shoulders are all wrong, Michael." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, but he's still doing twenty meters, and you know, he's only had twenty four balls now." Yeah, but he, he's just not holding it properly, and uh, Michael, that's terrible. Uh, do you mind if I go down there and just give them some tips? So I said, yeah, well, on you go. So I said to the client, look, this is this guy here, groundsman, he's a great golfer. He's going to give you some tips which will improve your golf. So off he went down there and he contorted him into all sorts of shapes and got him to hold the club in an interesting way and his head down and his shoulders this way and that way. And I was quite amused watching this because I, it took me years to even understand what he was doing. And the guy swung and he missed the first three and then he hit the next one, which went about five meters. And then he sliced the next one. And this went on for about the next 20 balls. And he, by this time he came back up to me and he said, there we are. And I said, there we are what? He said, um, that's what he needs to do to play the game. I said, but he's not achieving performance. Oh, God, no, Michael, you've got to understand, golf is a very special game. It'll take him about 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> so I realized that as long as there were people like that, a lovely man around and teaching people, uh, I could now understand that if I wanted a good retirement, I probably should become a golf um, uh, coach because at least I had 10 years uh, worth of business with my clients. But uh, I don't have 10 years with my clients. Um, I have, um, you know, if I'm lucky, uh, a day, two days, maybe a few months to work with them individually and as teams to achieve quite truly amazing results. And um, so the golf ball, all my clients go through the golf scenario to understand how to get out their own way and achieve some truly amazing results. So you say you use decoys. What, yes. what do you explain, yes. explain decoys to us and how we can maybe utilize that as a strategy to help us to get out of our own way. Yes, okay. Um, we've got you know conscious mind, unconscious mind. If you look at your conscious mind, it's limited to how many tasks it can complete at any one time. 
before it uh, puts it into automatic pilot. That takes a lot of practice. The unconscious mind can deal with thousands of things at any one time and is very intuitive and uh, very fast learning. So uh, many years ago, I decided, and in the Gulf, for example, um, yes, we can take consciousness and we can learn and chunk seven learnings and put it into our unconscious mind, etc. It's a long and very detailed process. So I wondered what would happen if I could, and this was all through my using hypnosis at that particular time, I wondered if I could create um, the similar in terms of hypnosis um, for an instance to allow someone's consciousness, i.e. getting out your own way, to get out the way and allow, allow this marvelous unconscious being take over. Now, I had seen for years how the unconscious mind could do that with anything from flying a helicopter to playing golf to playing tennis, um, and it proved every time it worked. So the idea of a decoy was to give your conscious mind something to focus on and then allow the power of your unconscious to come out. Now, that's what happens by, you know, uh, swinging at the ball, sometimes uh, just focusing on the very moment you impact the ball, maybe singing yourself a song. I found that by blindfolding is a great decoy in golf, for example. But anything at all that allows you to not think, act, behave consciously and allows your unconscious intervention to come out, both personally and in corporate life, really makes a massive difference. Hmm. That's, um, that's fascinating. I don't know whether that what Something came to me, I'm just wondering whether I should share it, but I, I, I got a real, I, I got a compliment from a very... Uh, very, very, very experienced client this week that actually left me feeling a little bit, little bit tearful, which was um, usual. And he, he, I've worked with him for about six years, and he was just saying to me, he was saying how we, we don't understand, we can't understand how the fact that you're in the room with us sometimes, and you don't even need to say something sometimes, how it has such an impact on everybody. Yes. Um, and uh, and also asked me where a particular question came from which uh, I, I asked him, which was something around, uh, you know, is, is, is he, are you being the person that you need to be right now? And he said, where did that come from? And, and I said, well, um, it didn't come from me. It came through me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and, very much so. You know, um, and I guess it came from my own unconscious or whatever. Um, but it's, it's just interesting, isn't it, how you can maybe – Maybe I'm a decoy, actually, when I'm there. I don't know. But uh, sometimes some things happen and results happen, which uh, are quite surprising. But it's just about who you're being rather than what you're doing. Yes. Some people call it, Chris, being in the zone when you're actually zoned out or you're in the zone. Um, It's a a form of hypnotic response, believe it or not, very, very slight. But it just switches from the consciousness into the unconsciousness. Now, you know, for... Let's be let's be blunt about this. This is not a voodoo tool. This is not a tool that is a nice to have. It's a fluffy uh, bunny type of thing. Uh, this actually makes a difference to people. Um, it makes a difference to the way we think, the way we act, the way we behave, our performance, whether we're selling, whether we're creating strategic uh, interventions for people. If we can actually get uh, a bunch of people 
to uh, create an environment with, you know, as you know, before I've used the formula, I developed a formula to support this, which is performance is E squared, V squared, B squared, and D squared. And that was very, very simple, Chris. It was um, A having the, E was having the right environment, and the second D was having the right emotional intelligence. And those are two prerequisites for growth. The second bit was vulnerability we've talked about. And clarity of vision is the second V. And the B is from that becomes behaviors supported by belief. That's behaviors and belief. And then the two, which people find quite amazing, one we've talked about, which is the decoys. And the other one is daydreaming. You see, when we're actually daydreaming with our eyes wide open during the day as opposed to night, we're actually accessing immediately with a decoy into the power of the unconscious mind. Yes. And therefore, technically, we can achieve anything that we believe at that precise moment. That is, effectively, I would say, the formula of the zone. I think that that's really, yeah, that's fascinating. It's got me got me thinking because what I, and I'm sure you do as well, is when with people, sometimes they come with all sorts of problems and challenges and it's about are they doing enough here and doing enough there. But, you know, through the conversation, if they kind of relax and, and zone out uh, and you shift their state, that's when the magic starts to happen. Very much so. And Chris, if, you, if I go back a bit, just right to the very beginning, I talked about the box of childhood. Um, the problem is we come out of childhood and we leave the door open and it's a very noisy uh, room there. And everything we do in our adult life uh, is somehow positively, negatively, sometimes even neutral, uh, affects our thinking, our belief, and uh, just how good we can be. So I spend a lot of time uh, getting people to appreciate that there is need to shut the door. To get out of your own way is metaphorically shutting the door, shutting the door on noise. Yet who you were in that box, you had no control over. Your parents told you what to eat, where to live, uh, what school to go to, what uniform, etc., etc. Suddenly we come out of the door, let's say it's 16, 17 or 18, whatever time you know you believe, away from the parental control. And whether you've had a good childhood or not, it's still important to shut the door. And that shutting the door means you're getting out of your own way and you're creating a brand new base to work from, a brand new formula, uh, which you can modify to suit yourself. It comes back to the 33-1. I had no limitations. Somebody said 33-1 is the way forward, Michael. Was my door shut? It wasn't. But luckily enough, I hung on to that, and it, it, it started the success pattern from there. Excellent. This is brilliant stuff, Michael. Thank you. We're going to commercial break now. And after the commercial break, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about strategy and, and uh, a brilliant technique uh, that Michael uh, strongly recommends as well um, that uh, can have a very, very powerful impact uh, and i've just started uh, actually doing this um, technique for myself and i'm gonna send it through to michael when i've when i've done it and <laughs> completed it so we're back with you again in uh, just a couple of minutes so do join us after the break and and help yourself to get out of your own way and achieve the kind of results that you you're dreaming about achieving right now from the boardroom to you voice america business network 
Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Michael Romling. We're talking about getting out of your own way. And Michael, just in the break, you started to talk to me a little bit about risk and how, you know, actually you took, you've taken quite a bit of risk. And uh, by following these kind of processes, though, and maybe being spending your time in, I think you call the unconscious mind for self too, um, it's, it's all been working out for you. Just tell, me, tell us a little bit about that. I think it's fascinating. Yes, as we were talking just briefly in the break there, um, when I look back at leaving a steady job, you know, career, uh, as it were, and selling life assurance door-to-door with no guarantees, no income, one trial, a big mortgage, et cetera, um, it, it actually gives me cold sweats now. And I've, I've actually wondered, what was it that seemed to dull the risk aspect? What was it that just... Uh, empowered my belief system. Um, was it the 33-1? Well, definitely that had, um, it was like a lifeline to hold on to. But interesting enough, there was something else, and that was the, um, uh, the process that I, I had a belief, and I don't know where it came from, um, that I could be different. And it's interesting, my, my, my other two siblings at the moment all often refer and say, well, um, you changed, you're different. And I don't mean changed, hopefully, negatively. I don't believe I have. Um, but I allowed myself to grow. And to grow, you have to be comfortable with a bedfellow of risk. Uh, COVID-19 at the moment, I'm doing a lot of work with companies worldwide and individuals. And uh, what I hate people saying is, want to be great when we go back to life as normal, because life's not going to be as normal. And I think any business leader or any team that is creating a strategy at the moment uh, about normal, I think is going to be doomed to failure either this time or next time or the time after. So what we require is something which is um, some radical thought processes. But with that comes risk. So we actually have to not ignore risk, uh, but on the same token, we mustn't be bludgeoned by it. 
risk is really important. When we were learning to walk as kids, we fell over. Uh, we didn't see the falling over process as negative or highly risky. We saw it as something which took us to the next level. So um, I think, Chris, to be honest with you, um, I was in a form of trance, didn't know why, um, and uh, believed just categorically that if I did the hard work, did the miles, um, why wouldn't I be successful? I deserve to be. Yeah, yeah. And you, do, do, you, do you find, did you find you kind of maybe, did you, did you have a vision in terms of where you were heading? And, or did you, did you go in this trance and just go from you know, day to day? No, Chris. I mean, this was one of the other parts to this. Um, Expectation plays a huge part uh, in this whole process. Uh, When I'm uh, showing people the golf process to do 220 meters, I never say, by the way, I think you might do 220 meters. I say to them quite categorically as part of the process, uh, you will take this club, you will drive 220 meters, You will laugh and surprise yourself at your results, but don't try and analyze it. Mm. So expectation is something we're not always very good at. So I, every year from 28 years ago, create an expectation. So I write myself a letter in past tense as though I've already achieved everything I set out to achieve. I tell myself the interesting times, the challenges, the ups and downs, but ultimately I've achieved my goal through the power using decoys and the subconscious intervention. So uh, I do that every year and I absolutely amaze myself at what I can achieve. In fact, sometimes I chuck myself a target, which is stupid, but stupid works. Is is this because we we limit our potential by the, the beliefs that we have, which uh, are not necessarily true? They're just just opinions, not facts. We 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 limit ourselves in terms of what we can achieve because we just hold ourselves down by a, a subconscious decision we've made. I think we defer back, Chris, to the program, uh, the childhood box. Yeah. Uh, if we're very fortunate to have a great childhood and great aspirations and parents who are aspirational and, 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 uh, sadly, I think few of us have got that. Um, but congratulations to those who have. I hope you use it very, very well to move forward. Um, I would just suggest that the majority have been detuned um, uh, by schools, peers, children, uh, parents, etc. Uh, that's why we've got to shut the door, get out of the way ourselves, reset our parameters and believe we can do absolutely anything. So by writing the expectation, we're actually pre-programming our unconscious mind. It's quite important, Chris. The unconscious mind cannot tell the difference between reality and illusion. So if you tell it with belief that something has already happened, it will adopt that stance. So 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 when you write to yourself then, because it's an exercise that we could all do, you, what, what time horizon do you recommend? Is it 12 months? Uh, and 12 months, yes, 12 uh, months. Uh, and just, just tell us a little bit more about, you know, some of the things we should put in there. Yes, you start off. So, Chris, uh, you know, for example, we were talking the other day. I said, Chris, I want you to write to me. Hi, Michael. Uh, it's July the 6th, uh, 2021. Well, here we are. My goodness me. Everything that I put down that we talked about, I've achieved. Let me tell you more about it. And therefore, you would go in your letter in past tense 
telling me about relationships, about maybe some challenges that you succeeded, maybe some business goals, definitely some business goals, some personal goals, and things that you didn't believe about yourself that were have now become possible. So what we've done is, um, you know, people who are programmers will know this, you are effectively setting the channels of communication back the way. So by doing this and reading it every day, every week, and maybe a bit of modification as you go along, but not detracting from the, the, the goal. The hard part, Chris, I remember um, uh, one of the climbers, Bear Grylls, climbing Everest, was asked what was the hardest part of the climb. Mm. And he said, in reflection, actually deciding to go. And there's a, an interesting psychology behind this. Most people are frightened of success. Yes. Because with it becomes you know, so many opportunities and it's all about belief and you really have to stretch yourself. So the letter actually, and then on the other, you know, on the other side of your own letter, I would recommend that you turn it into visual representation. So get pictures, create pictures of everything that you've said you were going to achieve and then make it happen. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's great. I was just going through my interview archive and i've started transcribing them there's like 380 hours of the content so it's a it's a big job but one of the first ones i looked at was my first interview with meta block who's a twice world champion rower and she said she she stood on the podium so not the podium she stood um, at, at the world championships she'd come eight she'd not made the final and she decided that she was she was going to come back uh, the next time and win and she drew she drew a picture and she drew a picture of her standing there on the podium, and uh, she it was like, like a, a poor drawing, really. Um, but she also drew some pictures of her ahead in the race, and and she focused in on those pictures. And she came back next time, won, um, found, had found it quite stressful. She decided she wanted to do it again and enjoy it. So she, the next time she came back, she won again. So she won it twice. But it was through the the, the picture, and I guess the 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 what it meant to her, and the energy that was associated with it and keeping focusing on it. But I think that it's a similar point to what you make. Very much so. I mean, Chris, I get people, whether you're marketing or sales or managing director, CEO or whatever, uh, to use these techniques. And I've had many, many companies outperform, uh, outperform what they originally thought was good. Yeah. And the more wild it is, the more fun it is. And believe mm-hmm. it or not, uh, that's the process. It is that that becomes a decoy in its own right, and then there's there's a lot to support that. Um, but in principle, it just works. Excellent. Well, that's brilliant. Well, uh, you'll um, you receive my my mine coming through the uh, email. Fantastic. In, in the next in the next few weeks, I've got a little bit of time coming up, so I'm gonna gonna do that as an exercise. I think it's it's great to help that. So, so tell me, Michael, we've got just a but two couple of minutes before I need to wrap up, you know, who are the, your ideal clients and how do you tend to work with them? My ideal clients, whether it's a, um, a, a large corporate, a medium-sized corporate or an individual, is uh, um, a group, an individual or otherwise, who really have an aspiration to get out their own way and do something bigger, better, different. Now, I'm not suggesting that is all profit or turnover or sales or charity, it could be anything. But I'm fascinated by people and companies, especially in COVID, post-COVID, 
COVID and others that will come along that want to look for new and interesting, exciting ways for them, their sales teams, their teams, the board, or whatever, to look at the principle of getting out their own way and achieving uh, what they thought was impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Curiosity, Chris, for me, uh, curiosity with regard to performance. There's too much of the same old, same old, same old, just hard work and lots and lots of MBAs and technical. Um, that's great. Fantastic. But there are a lot of other ways that we can achieve as well. Excellent. Well, M- Michael, I've absolutely loved talking to you. And uh, I think there's so much richness in this conversation uh, that we can, you know, we need to kind of re re um, think maybe how we've um, we've been doing things, but actually some of that thinking is more about getting into our subconscious and relaxing into it and kind of following the flow and using decoys and out of the analogy, the story of golf and, and also this idea around, um, which I think is really important around writing from the perspective of being in the future. Um, I wonder, do you have a final message that you'd like to leave us with? Two really, two small ones, Chris. Um, I operate at what's called a no fear principle. Uh, fear is very debilitating. It's all about actually understanding, uh, does that fear come from the childhood locker? So that's one thing. And the second thing is dream with your eyes wide open and all sorts of material assistance will come to your aid. Right. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. No fear and dream with your eyes wide open. It's been a complete and utter pleasure, Michael. I knew it was going to be. And uh, lots, lots to, for people to reflect on, think. And I do hope that this helps people to, to really get out of their own way and achieve the impossible. Uh, Michael, is there any, any sort of contacts? Is, can people connect with you on LinkedIn? I know you, you have all this work around the globe and you don't actually have a, a, a website. You don't need it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> is, there, is there a way people can connect or find yes, out more uh, about you? Certainly. I'm happy to pass on all my details through LinkedIn, uh, email, telephone, whatever. I don't know, Chris, how people uh, connect that to you or the Voice of America. But uh, I'm happy to speak to anyone at any time. Uh, I'd love to share my ideas, share my views. So please reach out. Um, uh, I take it the details can be uh, produced somehow. Excellent. Well, they, just um, on that, so your your email address, Michael, Michael Romling. Well, Michael Romling, no spaces, R-O-M-E-L-I-N-G, at insideout.biz. That's Michael Romling at insideout.biz. And I'm on LinkedIn. And um, any other things you need, Chris? Fantastic. No, that'll be great. And if anybody's unsure, just get in touch with me and I'll put you through to Michael. So thank you. Thanks again. Once again, been absolutely brilliant. On next week's show, we're going to talk about being a really great independent director. And we've got uh, a guy, Frank Lewis, who's been doing this for 20 years, worked with many, many clients as a independent director, or as we tend to call it in Europe, a non-executive director. We also have John Jennings, who um, works with uh, alongside me, uh, within the uh, uh, Chris Cooper Business Elevation, uh, hugely experienced, and he does um, MBA training around directorship um, for uh, various different uh, universities um, for MBA programs. 
So, and, and has got a, a director sort of level um, background as well from uh, California as well as uh, uh, the Europe too. So uh, do join us next week. We'll be talking about that. Any questions, comments, get in touch with me, chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Love to hear from you. Huge thank you again to Michael Romling and do take care. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.